You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. We're glad you're here. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, turn to the Book of Acts in the New Testament, and get ready to study God's Word together in a series we call, We Are All Witnesses, Part 3. Well, good morning, Harvest. I am grateful to be with you today. I'm grateful to be looking at the most important book in the entire world together and learning from it. Um, I'm grateful to be here with you, and I hope you have a copy of God's Word in front of you. You're going to need that in just a moment. Um, We had a great weekend with our men here, with our men's conference, uh, just over the last couple of days, and it was great to be with guys and be seeking the Lord together, and um, without doubt, anytime guys get together, there are jokes about bacon and, um, you know, sports and all of the things that guys like and those action movies, you know, like if, if you ever look at Hulu or Netflix or Prime, like on the top for me, there's always those action movies with, it's, it's always some random guy, his name's probably Chris, and he's holding a rifle. There's explosions in the background. He has a, a chiseled jawline and a five o'clock shadow. He's looking intently off into the distance. Uh, and every one of them for me says like 98% match. Now, I mean, is the acting good? Eh, not really. Well, was it a good storyline? No, definitely not. <laughs> but does stuff blow up? Absolutely. I'm in. And uh, guys are like that a lot of times. We love movies like that. We love the story. And and not just men. I think all of us love the story of the hero who's uh, up against impossible odds, who's trying to accomplish a mission that, that seems improbable or maybe impossible altogether. But they're going into a situation and seeking to accomplish something that, that nobody thought that they could. The hero sets out on a mission, and the the movie ends with mission accomplished. We've been looking uh, through the book of Acts, and we're continuing in that study. Um, We've been studying Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. These are the first missionaries that are ever sent out from a church, and they go out into an area where people don't know about Jesus. And we get the highlights in our Bible, but we often neglect all of the things that are really happening. These guys are walking for hundreds of miles. Think about the days that they spent just trudging through the dirt with very, very little happening, going to these cities and towns around there, trying to tell people about this person, Jesus, who has died on the cross for their sins. In a very difficult place, accomplishing, trying to accomplish a mission for the Lord. And where we left off last week, they were in a little podunk town called Lystra. It's like out in the middle of nowhere. My wife is from a little town called Durand. Um, Most of you probably have never heard of that, but you drive to Rockford and then you go like another 45 minutes until you're pretty sure you passed it and then you go another 30 minutes and then you're getting close. I mean, it's like way out there, but that's how Lister is. It's this little town way out in the middle of nowhere, Um, but they're there telling people about Jesus. They heal this man who's been unable to walk his entire life. An incredible miracle as they're proclaiming the gospel to the people there. And the people freak out in a good way, uh, 
and some of them come to, to Jesus, but many of them, they believe that Paul and Barnabas are gods and they try to worship them with sacrifice. And so our, time, our text last week ended with Paul and Barnabas, bare, it says they're barely able to stop people from sacrificing animals in worship to them. They're barely able to stop them. And today, we're going to see a very different response from those same crowds in that same little town as Paul and Barnabas come to the end of their missionary journey. And we're gonna see in our text today how they get to the end of their time, the end of their mission, and they can say mission accomplished. But before we get into the text, let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your word and for this opportunity to look into it. We pray uh, that you would use this time together to um, encourage us, to challenge us, to enrich us, to follow Jesus Christ in greater ways. We pray that um, all of us would just be able to get out of the way and your message and your son would be seen so clearly through us today. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles to Acts 14. Acts 14, we're gonna be in 19 through the end of the chapter there, looking at this time. So as we come to the end of Paul's first missionary journey, what are we to learn if we are to seek to accomplish the mission that the Lord has given each of us to accomplish? Because every single believer is sent out as a missionary. For Jesus Christ, that street that you live on, that cul-de-sac, the, the apartment building that, that you live in, the school that you attend, that workplace that you go to, your family, your friends, the clubs that you're a part of, that basketball team that you're on, that is your mission field. And God has placed you there on purpose so that you would be a missionary for him. We see all of these highlights in the book of Acts and we're, we're tempted to think like, oh my goodness, look, all of this is happening. But on my street, like, I mean, I had a conversation with the guy next door last week and I'm not sure how that went. And, and oftentimes we, we read the highlights here. This is like the Instagram reels. It's, it's like all of the, the tip of the iceberg kind of things. But each of us are placed in a position where, where we're daily trying to be a missionary for Jesus Christ. So what are you and I to learn if we're to seek to accomplish the mission that God has sent us out for. Well, what can we learn from the end of Paul's missionary journey here? First, endure suffering, endure suffering. Let's look at the text to together. Acts 14, beginning in verse 19. So remember, they're in, they're in Lystra still at this point, the, the place where they were trying to be worshiped or people were trying to worship them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So they go back to, they're, they're at this place here in Lystra. Um, these people followed Paul specifically to Lystra to persecute him. These opponents came from, the text says, from Antioch and Iconium. These are like 100 miles away, and people are 
walking on foot just to persecute Paul, just because they're angry. It's an act of mob violence that we see. And it's sad, but today, even in our day today, um, oftentimes people are uh, more known by what they are against. And that tends to be even stronger about what people are against rather than what people are for. Hatred can be a very powerful motivator. Oh, oh, it's not good, but it's a very powerful motivator. How many of you uh, like pineapple on your pizza? Okay, a couple people, great, great. How many people hate pineapple on your pizza? Oh, see, see, like you hear it from people. You see the furrowed brows. You, oh, it's terrible, I hate pineapple. Hatred is a powerful motivator. I mean, you guys are wrong. Pineapple's great, but, but it is actually a, a powerful motivator. We're, we're oftentimes motivated more by the things that we dislike than, than the things that we actually do like, but that's what happens here, they're like, get in the van. We're going to the next town to get this guy. It's just, it's anger. His opponents are vocal, persuading the town. We don't exactly know what they said about it. Maybe they were like, these guys aren't gods. What are you thinking about? They just want it all for themselves. Let's kill them. Like, but I mean, it's just a little bit of whiplash. It reminds me of uh, another action movie, um, Gladiator, where, where it, they say like, the crowds are fickle, my brother. Like crowds are, this act of mob violence, they just turn so quickly from worship of these people to no, 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 let's kill them. And they go very quickly, but that's what happens here. It's incredibly unjust, of course, towards Paul. I mean, think about it for a moment from Paul's perspective. So a few chapters ago in Acts 13, he's, he's set apart by the Holy Spirit and sent out on mission for Jesus Christ. Go to the places that I have set apart um, for you guys to share the gospel. Go to those places and tell people about Jesus. And here he gets to one of those places and they attempt to murder him because of the mission that he's sent out to do. I, I can almost see Paul in the moment being like, what the heck, Lord? Like, you sent us here. We had a mission, we had a prayer service where people put their hands on our shoulders and prayed for us to have power as we went out and we're going out on mission for you. This is what you wanted and now this happens? Attempted murder? But that's what happens to him. You see, trials and tribulations, they aren't necessarily signs that you're doing something wrong in the mission of God. Oftentimes, those things are very important stops along the road to the kingdom. And this persecution they experience, they're attempting murder even. They notice they drag him, they stone him and then drag him out of the city, which is actually very different than most stoning during that time. Most stoning would be with like a trial and you have a judge, you have witnesses. And if the person was convicted, they would take the person outside the city walls And it was very orderly. I mean, it was brutal, but it was very orderly the way that a person would be killed by stoning. But that's not what happens here. We don't exactly know why Barnabas isn't stoned. Maybe Barney went out for lunch. I don't really know. Um, Maybe it was just because Paul was like the chief speaker. Uh, We don't know, but, but Paul is the target. He's the one who is stoned. And what they do with him, instead of this organized, there's no trial. This is an act of mob violence. You can picture them, they're 
crowded around him, kicking his feet out from under him, pushing him down, maybe tossing dirt, and, and then one and two and 40 stones the size of baseballs and softballs begin to be thrown at Paul over and over and over. You can see him there in the dirt, covering his head, trying to protect himself as stone after stone comes upon his body. They believe that they're successful. After they do this, they pick the guy up and drag him through the streets of the city outside. Likely unconscious. They believe that they're successful in all of these sorts of things. A tragedy that happens. I mean, how badly did did Paul have to be bruised and beaten and bloodied for them to think like, yep, we did our job, great. But there's three little words that I think are very powerful in this. They dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up. See, even in the midst of the most difficult thing that Paul would go through in his life physically, there's an element of God's protection of God's providence in all of that. That there's attempted murder here, but God kept him alive. God protected him from all of that. There were probably moments when Paul wished he was dead because of the incredible pain. But God protected him because he had a a purpose for him. And some of you may be going through a difficult season right now. It's not a stoning, but you feel the whiplash the same that Paul did sort of going along in your life and I'm seeking to serve the Lord and I'm doing the things that I feel like he's called me to. Everything's going fine. I'm living my life trying to honor him as best as I can and trying to love him and love others and try to do my best and then bam, it was stones. The stones have different names for us oftentimes but they hurt just as much oftentimes. And maybe it's your health and maybe it's a relational strife and maybe it's your finances, maybe it's brokenness in in some area of your life. I I can't tell you what it is specifically. I I can't tell you why it's happening even. I can't tell you why, when it will be over. I can't even tell you how specifically it's going to end. I can't tell you that it's gonna end the way that you hope it will, but I can tell you with certainty when one way or another, you will rise up. That God is using even those difficult things in our lives to bring us through and to accomplish things in us. For some of us, for many, many people, it will come in the in the. Uh, course of answered prayer in a miraculous way. I was talking with a uh, guy at the men's conference just the other day, and he was talking about his job situation, and you wouldn't believe the way that God opened these doors. Like five minutes later, it couldn't have happened that way. Only God could have done that. And through a season of, of deep hurt and hardship and heartache for him, God answered in miraculous ways. He rose up. God works through all of that to bring about his purposes. For, for some people, a miraculous prayer will be answered that way. And for some people, God will answer it by saying, my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
but for all of it. God is working through all of it for our good and for his purposes. Notice this isn't just something that that Paul goes through himself. It's not just a, a lesson that God is teaching him to endure suffering, but he's taking it in this passage and communicating it even to other people. Notice he, he tells the people as he's going through all of these towns, instructing them how to follow the Lord. He tells them through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. My kids know this. Whenever there's like a, uh, dad, we have good news and bad news. I'm always like bad news first. Always tell me the bad news first. So any of you, if you're delivering good news and bad news to me, please always start with the bad news. That's how I always want it. So you, you want the bad news here? There will absolutely be tribulations that you will have to go through along the way to the kingdom of God. There will be stones thrown at you. There will be boulders. There will be pain. That's the bad news. The good news is one word in all of this. He says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Again, just like he rose up, through. God will bring you through those things. You will pass through them. It will be difficult. It will be painful. It will be heartbreaking. It will be faith stretching. It will be endurance testing, but you will pass through. God will use those things so that you will endure. I mean, imagine Paul standing there with these believers, some of them brand new believers, not long after he had been stoned and left for dead. Likely bruises still on his arms and legs from the boulders and stones that had been thrown at him. Scars, maybe dried blood in his beard and scars across his face. Is there dirt in his hair still? Is he, he's just, is he still a mess? Still healing from all of these things that would happen. And he stands there and he says, listen, believer, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He, he knows what he's talking about. Paul would go on in 2 Corinthians 11 and he, he actually boasts he brags about all of the difficulties that have happened to him because he says, through God's weak, through all of the weakness that I have, all of the suffering that I have endured, that's when God's purposes have been accomplished. He has firsthand experience with God showing up in the midst of those tribulations, with him rising up, with him passing through those tribulations, with enduring suffering, and he calls every single believer to do the same, to endure suffering as we seek to accomplish his mission. And second, continue in the faith, continue in the faith. So the next morning after he's stoned, they leave Lystra. His stoning shows them that he is probably not really a safe place right now. There's a mob right now. So they, they go on to another town called Derby. Derby is about 60 miles southeast of Lystra. So it would have been taken a couple days walking. And remember, Paul was just stoned within an inch of his life. So you can picture him there like hobbling for 60 miles. There's not much specifically that we know in detail uh, that happens there in Derby, but we do see the gospels preached again. So right after the suffering happens, he endures that to proclaim the gospel again to the people there. And many people come to faith. There's great fruit 
that comes after they endure suffering. And then let's go back to our text. Uh, I wanna read 20, starting in 21 again. When they had preached the gospel to that city, that, that's Derby, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. Did, did we get the TV wrong? There's no way that they returned to Lystra after that. What does your Bible say? It says Lystra. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they go back to these places. Lystra, the place where Paul was just stoned. He goes back to those places where there was great persecution. And the Iconium, the, the guys drove in the van from Iconium, but he's going to their hometown again. Let's look again at our map because I love maps. Um, so they, again, start here in Antioch. This is where they're prayed over and sent out by the Holy Spirit, and they come down to Cyprus. We studied this a few weeks ago, up to Perga, all the way. Here's, uh, this is, there's two Antiochs. We've talked about this before. Um, but Antioch and then Iconium and then Lystra. So this right here, this is where Paul, uh, where they try to uh, sacrifice in worship to him. This is also where he's uh, almost murdered. After that, they go to Derbe, right here, and then he comes back this way. Now, they are headed home. This is, as I just said, this is towards the end of their missionary journey. They're headed here. This is a whole lot easier way to go than this. Look at all of the distance that they go to. Not to mention that, see this place right here? Tarsus. Who's from Tarsus? Paul's from Tarsus. This is like his hometown. So I could totally see Paul. Like, listen, we're, we're lots closer to home. And I got family in Tarsus. Hey, I, got, I got a buddy who's got a nice futon we could sleep on. I could just, like, it'd be so easy just to head to Tarsus and then head over there and we'd be home. But they don't do that. They make it a point to head the opposite direction and go back through all of the places where they experienced extreme persecution, about as bad as it can get is stoning, okay? But they go back to all of those places so that they can encourage the believers that they have, uh, the people who've just come to Jesus. Now, they'll go back to these congregations in future um, mission trips. We'll see that, um, Lord willing, in the, the book of Acts later. But what they do is they go back to where these newfound believers were to encourage them and to challenge them and to help grow them. And many times we celebrate new life in Jesus Christ. And I love that. When we have baptisms here and we talk about somebody who just came to faith in Jesus Christ or, or we'll put together a video maybe after like student camp and, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the students who came forward when the gospel was preached and gave their life to Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. We actually have a 
board at the cathedral, a little um, marker board, one of people we are praying for specifically with first names of people that our church are praying for. And then we have a second one that's like these people were on that list and now they've come to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, every time I walk by and there's one more name on that second board, it's like, yes, it's a celebration. We should be that way because the angels are rejoicing when people turn from darkness to light, when they turn from their sins to Jesus Christ and receive his forgiveness. We should continue to celebrate those things. It's a fantastic thing. But let's not ever leave it there because we wanna make sure that every student who we talk about in one of those videos, is discipled in our student ministry, is taught about this is, this is what it means to follow Jesus and let's keep going and let's, let's do it together. We wanna encourage their new faith. We don't just make converts, we make disciples of Jesus. And so we're working beyond just the profession of faith to help people grow in their relationship with God, to grow strong and to continue in their faith. That's why we say more and better disciples. In each place, that's what Paul and Barnabas do. They go back to each of these places to make more and better disciples. Notice in the text, they do three specific things. One, they strengthen the souls of the disciples. They remind them of the truths of the gospel. Of This is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. They're, they're strengthening the souls. And then two, they're encouraging them to continue in the faith, to, to keep steadfast, to hold fast to what you have, to keep going even when it's difficult because what matters is finishing the race, not starting the race. In this, again, they're reminding them that, that following Jesus isn't a life of, of ease. It's, it's a life of hardship. It's a life of suffering. We don't usually preach the gospel this way. We don't usually stand up. I've never heard anyone stand right here and say, you should come to Jesus because it's gonna be hard. You should come to Jesus because you're gonna suffer. I mean, we highlight all of the things that are true. There is great joy in following the Lord and there's incredible peace and there's abundant life and great purpose in following Jesus Christ. But Paul is quick to say that there's tribulations and hardships, and they are the molding ground for the Christian. They are how we continue in the faith. Those places where we're like a refining fire, we're, we're heated up far beyond our comfort zones, far beyond the places where we're used to, and in a way that causes all of that dross, all of the garbage in your life to come to the top. And, and by his grace and through his Holy Spirit, he skims off all of that garbage out of my life and out of your life and purifies us and molds us into the image of Jesus Christ. That can only happen when that dross, when all of that garbage that's in your life and mine is gone. And so he uses all of that, all of the tribulations to help mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. It shouldn't just be something that we expect because these guys are missionaries. It's something that all believers should expect, that the road to glory is a path of suffering. That if we are to reap, then we need to sow that if we're to dance, then we're going to weep. If we're gonna experience resurrection, then we first must experience the cross. 
And if we're to receive glory in Jesus, then we need to suffer as he did. And just as Paul had faced great suffering and endured, he's urging them to do the same thing. It's the reason why is because tribulations, they're not an unfortunate detour along the road. They are the very road that God is using in your life and in mine to accomplish his purposes. These tribulations are the most important and significant stops along the way. One of the verses that I've shared before, it's one of my favorites, is James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when, again, not if, but when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. God wants to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't happen just by you getting everything you want and dancing around a flower field. Bad news first. It happens through suffering. It happens through the trials and the tribulations that we have. Those are the things that he uses to make us perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And we don't like them, and that's okay. But God is using all of them to accomplish his purposes. He's using them to grow you and to help you to continue in the faith. Because it's not about starting the race, it's about finishing It's about continuing in the faith. And that's what Paul and Barnabas are doing in each of these congregations that they go to. The final thing that they actually do in each of these churches is they establish local leadership in the churches. It's interesting to me that right after they give them this encouragement and challenge to continue in the faith, to to persevere through the tribulations... They set up leadership in the church. We need a little bit of organization. We need some direction. We need some people to help you to continue. And listen, we want you to continue in your faith. Again, the most important thing for the people in our church, for all of us, isn't starting the race, it's finishing. And we all need people around us to to cheer us on and to help us along and to give us instruction, especially during those difficult times. And Paul and Barnabas here are working really hard to find some local church leadership so they can continue to help people follow Jesus Christ. It's a massive part of that plan is the local church leadership. Listen, this this is why we want you to come to church every week. It's why we want you to get in a community group. It's why we want you to find a place to use the way the Lord's built you to to serve in his kingdom. It's not because there's some kind of like bonus that we get if we get a whole bunch of people serving in one of the ministries. Like, I promise, that doesn't happen. We're not like, oh, great, good job. We don't sit around and and pat each other on the back because we got this many people in a community group or something like that. Listen, we do this, the, the reason that your pastors work at a church, the reason that we want to be here and do this sort of thing is because we love the Lord and we love his word and we love his people. And we wanna see each of you continue in the faith. I wanna see you accelerate as you love the Lord more and cherish him more and have a greater impact in this world for him. I wanna see you pass through those tribulations to get on the other side and be like, that was awful. But look what he accomplished in me. 
Look at how he changed me. Look how I'm more like Jesus Christ now than ever before. That's what we want to see. That's why local church leadership exists, to continue to do that. And believe me, we feel a a responsibility and we feel a a weight, a, a care for your souls at times because we love you and we wanna help you grow to be deeper in love with him and stronger followers of Jesus Christ. We see it here in scripture and we've seen it time and time again throughout the years that our gathering together as a church body is the thing that stirs us up to love and to good deeds. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That's, that's why we say don't neglect the gathering together. That, that's why we say we, we want you here each week Be here with each other, leaning in, learning from God's word, and encouraging one another to continue on in the faith of Jesus Christ. Because our time together helps us continue, and that is what truly matters, is finishing, continuing in the faith. And third, from our text today, watch God open doors. If you wanna see God accomplish a great mission, just sit back and watch him open doors. Let's look at our text again. Acts 14, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, back to their Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. This is a beautiful thing, the work that they had fulfilled. Think of them there standing at the end of it, a little bit of a relax, like we fulfilled what we were supposed to do. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So they get back here to the same place that they were sent out in Acts 13. They get back to their friends. They have been gone for about 10 months. Now, I don't know if you feel like this, but anytime I miss a Sunday, I feel like, man, I just wanna get back to church. I wanna get back to the people I love and the gathering that I love, the place where we worship the Lord. I just, I miss our church. I really do. There's lots of fantastic churches all over the place. And we have family in Florida and we'll go visit a church there and, and that's great, but it's not my church. It's not our church. And, and so I feel that way. So imagine them coming back after being gone for 10 months. Now they probably had little or no contact with Paul and Barnabas as they were gone. They don't have like, they're not able to like follow and watch Paul's be real every day. Like, oh look, he's in Lystra. Oh wow, they're gonna worship too. Oh wow, they're trying to kill him. Oh man, oh. they're not able to like follow along and, and see those things, what's happening. They're just, they're gone for 10 months. And imagine them coming back in. These are the first church sent missionaries ever. And now they've returned after very little report. And then they come back. Imagine them coming back into town like, oh my goodness, they're here. Let's have a potluck. George makes some great chili. Make the chili, George. Oh, and Martha's cornbread is perfect. Let's, let's get all together and, and, and we'll share a meal together and we're gonna hear all of the stories. They gather together to hear that this mission has been accomplished. But, but notice what they do. They declare all 
that God had done with them. That's the focus of what they do. It's not like, oh yeah, we, we stayed in this really great bed and breakfast in Lystra. It was like right after I got stoned and, and man, the salt bath there was so great. They don't go into any, any of their travels. It's like, I wanna tell you what God did. I wanna tell you the doors that God opened, how he worked with all of it. They're so specific about God did it. It reminds us of uh, where Paul says in Corinthians, he tells them, listen, I planted and, and Apollos watered, but God's the one that caused the growth. We just kind of showed up and did what we were supposed to. It's not really a big deal. God did it though. God worked. In your mission for Jesus Christ, as you go out to try to be a light for him, don't ever forget that it's more about what God's going to do with you than what you will do for God. You just show up and be faithful. He put you there. He called you to that place. He's going to use you. You just show up and be faithful. Open your mouth and tell people about Jesus. Love in a, live in a way where you're loving other people and declaring his gospel to people. But don't ever think that you're the one that causes the growth. Sometimes we get so inflated about ourselves, like, yeah, look what I did. It's because I'm so great and I've got cool elbow patches and that's why I did so great. No, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. And sometimes we get so broken and so hurt over the fact like, man, I mean, I just, I showed up and I'm doing everything that I can. I'm telling people about Jesus, but I don't know, no one's turning to him. And, and, and yes, that's heartbreaking because we love those people, but it's not based on you. God's the one that opens the door. God causes the growth. So trust him in that. Only God opens the doors. So watch him do it in your life as you're faithful to his call. The gospel is a message of God's grace. And even as they're declaring God's grace to there, it's undeserved sinners who've received grace and forgiveness from Jesus Christ for all that we've ever done in the past against him and anything that we could do in the future, we've been forgiven and cleansed from all of that. It's an incredible reality that we didn't bring anything to it, but then somehow we get to this missionary thing and we think like, no, it's about what I do. It's about how I handle it, how I, how I speak, and what if I say something stupid? And what if, you probably will. Do you know how many stupid things I've said? Oh boy, so many. Yes, we'll do things wrong and we'll mess things up, but God is the one who will use even that to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't need you or me. He doesn't need any of us. Yet by his grace, he calls you onto his team and he gives you a jersey and he's like, go play. Just go out there in your position. I got it. And you're like, I don't know how to catch the ball. Lord. Just, just go. I, I got it. I got it. Because God opens the doors. God accomplished immeasurably more in our ministry to the people who we seek to love and care and lead to Jesus Christ. He will accomplish immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. He does that with Paul and Barnabas, accomplishing way more than they ever could have thought possible as they left Antioch those 10 months before. Oh yes, there was great tribulation for them. There's great pain and heartache and suffering and yet great fruit for the gospel. And there's even some incredible fruit that they don't even realize yet. Because there 
in Lystra, the very town, that little podunk town where Paul was stoned and left for dead. As he's preaching the gospel there in that place, likely in the crowds listening to him as a young man, 14 years old tops, listening to the truths of the gospel, this message about Jesus Christ, listening to the encouragement to continue, listening to a a beaten and battered and bloodied Paul tell him about continuing through tribulations to serve the Lord. And Paul will meet this same young man about in Lystra in Acts 16 on another missionary journey. And 16 years later, he will be Paul's protege and a great young pastor of the church in Ephesus. And Paul will say to him, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, your hometown, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul will say these things to his protege, Timothy. And we know that Timothy does incredible things for the Lord in the way that he leads the church there. Paul and Barnabas never could have known at this time, 16 years beforehand. They never could have known the ways that that this young 14-year-old boy would develop and would continue in his faith and would press through the sufferings and endure all of it to serve the Lord in greater ways. God accomplished more than they ever could have thought and ever even realized at the moment because God opened the doors. Only God opens those doors and he will continue to use it for years in ways that they never could have known. You know, there's a moment at the end of every one of those um, action movies about impossible circumstances where there's a bit of a calm after the storm, where the hero is taken up in a chopper and he finally like drops his rifle and rests his head up against the back of the chair as the chopper carries him off or as the people ride off on horses into the sunset or where they sit on a rocking chair drinking iced tea overlooking the sunset uh, remembering and relishing all that had been accomplished. God's not done with Paul and Barnabas with the things that he's going to do through them. Lord willing, we'll get to that soon and see two more uh, missionary journeys that God will send them out. But they take a moment at the end here to celebrate with their church, to remember all that God had done, to remember the things that, the doors that he had opened, all for the gospel. God's not done with them, but they take a moment to remember and reflect on God's faithfulness, on all that 
the Lord had done. And let me tell you, this life is full of tribulations and sufferings that we need to endure, of missions that are yet to be accomplished, of ground that's yet to be tilled, of seed that is yet to be planted for Jesus Christ, of people who desperately need the Lord and and young believers who need to be discipled and grown up. And there are lots and lots of difficult missions in front of us and lots of tribulations that we walk through in order to get those. But along the way, we have these little moments where we can see and we can reflect on God's faithfulness in the doors that he has opened and be reminded that he is always working, that he's always bringing about his kingdom and that he is always good. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful again for your word and for the way that you faithfully bring it to us and the ways that you've challenged us from it and encouraged us from it. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to allow these truths to sink deep in our hearts and our minds, that we would be sent out on mission in greater ways for Jesus Christ. Allow us to recognize each day the suffering that we need to endure And to not see that as just a a detour, but to see that as a way that you're refining us and using us. We would pray um, for each person in our church that we would continue in the faith, that we we would grow stronger as the days and years go by, that we would be built more into the image of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would allow us, by your grace, to see the doors that you're opening all around us and the ways that you're using us for your purposes. We will be careful to give you all of the glory and all of the praise because you are good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information and how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbible.org.